you are right in the middle. Watch out for ideas flowing around. Hey, I'm really glad you came. Come on in. What? Don't you recognize me? I'm Marcelo. You're host from right in the middle. Don't be shy. Come on. I want to show you something. I know you like stories, so I brought you something interesting. Tekka is fixing the time machine, so we'll use another one for now. The Internet Archive Wayback Machine. Internet is full of great stuff, which might not be available anymore. So the Internet Archive Wayback Machine can travel back in time to see how a web page used to look. You're right, Tekka, there is an API available. Digging a bit, I found a blog post from November 18th. 2008, which starts with this quote. Pressing the button at 7 p.m. Central European time, switching from private beta to public beta. We are live. That was from a company specializing in APIs. They were opening their platform so anyone with an API could publish and make money with this new revenue stream possibility. The company is still alive and they got some interesting marks over the years. They have been selected to present at LeWeb Paris in December 2008. In March 2013, they received $4.2 million in funding. In June 2016, they were acquired by... Nah, I'll save it for later. Still going through the Internet Archive Wayback Machine, we can see a press release, which has some statements about the company. This is really interesting. It states, Freescale Networks SL provides mission-critical infrastructure for the programmable web. The company's systems opens up new business opportunities for deployed web services via its API management solution, allowing cost-effective, flexible contracting, monitoring, and billing of web APIs. Freescale's mission is to act as an enabler for API deployment in order to power the new emerging web services market. Established in May 2007, the company is based in Barcelona, Spain. So, the company is Freescale. Yes, Teca! They were acquired by Red Hat? But instead of talking more about it, I'll do better. I just have here an interview with somebody that was there almost all the time. Mark Sheshar. He was a chief operating officer at Freescale. And now he's responsible for product management of the Red Hat Freescale API management platform. How awesome is that? But before Tekka played the interview, I want to thank both Mark for kindly managed to have time to talk with us and my friend Zubair, which runs right in the middle of me. Thank you, guys. Tekka, let's play the interview. Uh, sure, Tekka, I will not bother you anymore. Maybe. Hello, it's Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. I was wondering if you could maybe start by talking a little bit about your history. Yes, I was living in Barcelona in Spain at the time. Um, this was in about mid-2000s, mid 2005 to 2008. And I was working on my start, startup project of my own. And in Barcelona, there's a very small uh, startup community. And I met one of the co-founders of 3Scale, Steve Wilmot. 
we basically started helping each other on our projects. I ended up shutting my project down and joining Freescale. Steve's original interest, he was working on European research projects and in the area of web services. A lot of that was all based around service-oriented architecture and how to start opening up web services to the public internet. And the research he was doing at the time was around creating formal contracts between APIs. And that work led to the idea there should be a business behind this on how to manage these APIs. And that business became Threescale. Who was it for? You said was it for a government organisation? I didn't quite catch that. He was doing European research projects, so they're funded by the EU and typically involve a combination of academic, so multiple universities, as well as several companies. And typically there's a research consortium on each project, and that's how those European research projects work. Okay, so um, from what you're telling me, in my understanding, there was not a big grand plan to deal with APIs from the beginning or a big realisation. It was something that it kind of evolved. Exactly, because remember, there wasn't anything like API management as a market. It simply did not exist. Freescale, together with one other company, Mashery, were the first two companies that tried to create something what's needed to manage APIs. The very first iteration of Freescale was actually a very different business model, was to create a marketplace for APIs. So anybody exposing an API would be able to publish their APIs in this marketplace and consumers could go and find an API for any service they wanted. For example, if somebody wants a weather API, they would just go to this marketplace, find a weather API, hook it up and power their weather application on a mobile phone. And so what happened when you released that? It proved to be very difficult to get traction because the market was so embryonic. It was a catch-22 that there weren't enough APIs in the marketplace to make it worthwhile for consumers to actually go and look for APIs in the marketplace. And because you didn't have a lot of consumers and demand, there wasn't a need for API providers to publish their APIs in the marketplace. So it was basically very difficult to break this cycle and build up a critical mass in the marketplace and that led the company into a different direction then. So, so how long did you is struggle the right word on that path or were you continuing, were you going down a dead end was, or were you continuing development into what became the final product? Basically that path was shut down and the company pivoted. That work carried on for about two years. Um, there were two things that happened in parallel. One was recognizing that it was difficult for companies in the first place. They didn't have the right set of tools to be able to publish APIs. So we created a simple API management solution. It was very primitive in its day compared to what's available today. But it provided the basic toolbox, which in a very enhanced version is what you see today as API management. And that made it easier for companies to publish APIs. It was offered as a SaaS service. And then okay. there was one other spin-off of that, which is Skype came across this SaaS offering and they wanted to open a developer program for Skype. This was before Microsoft bought Skype. It was one of the very first examples of a very successful developer program and they wanted to basically create their developer program on top of Threescale. Now, Threescale had this SaaS offering, but it was relatively simple compared to what Skype wanted. So essentially, we custom built an API management solution for Skype and that ultimately became the Threescale that people see in the Red Hat product today.
one thing that's interesting for me is to find out how people got the product market fit. I mean, when you were looking to make a public directory of APIs which could be opened, how did you figure out that companies wanted to expose their own APIs? Was that literally banging on doors or was it just a light bulb moment? How was that process? It's really iterative. So the first thing is to have a critical mass of people who care about a topic area. It was quite easy to come across people that cared about APIs. This was the days when you saw some early, very successful examples. Flickr was one example of an extremely successful web API. And there was a lot of attention around web APIs and the potential based on these early success stories. So it was easy to find people who were interested in APIs and talk to them. Then once we started getting stuck on the marketplace idea, it was very easy to extend and find connections. Well, what's the reason why it's stuck? Well, it's difficult to publish APIs. Well, what would help to publish APIs? And people start saying, well, we need something like a developer portal. We need to be able to describe our APIs. And that led to things like the Swagger specification to define APIs, describe APIs. That was an open source project by a company called Wordnik. They, they were basically a directory SaaS offering. That ultimately didn't end up being successful, but the open source project was extremely successful and has now become known as the Open API specification. Okay, so with Wordnik and yourselves both in the marketplace at the same time, were you communicating with their company or did you just see that they had a, a good open source to describe APIs and you used what they were using as well? Or what was that relationship like? There was one very pivotal thing that we did in the early days. So this wasn't right at the very beginning. Through the kind of loose network, we created the basis for the product, this SaaS offering, and then the full enterprise solution based on the work with Skype, and that enterprise offering became the SaaS product. On that basis, we started getting traction with customers. We had a free offering, and we had our first paid customers. And it's still very difficult to raise awareness in the market, especially such an embryonic market. So there needed to be some kind of forum for people to come together in this community. So we created a conference called the API Strategy and Practice Conference, and it brought together all the leading practitioners in the area, in the community. Our key competitor at the time, Mashery, they had a, a parallel conference series, basically a customer conference, whereas 3Scale took an approach of more of an open source and a community approach. We invited our competitors, as well as customers, as well as thought leaders. That's very interesting. I know a lot of companies, they come out with a product, but they don't look after the community. And this looks like a really good way to kickstart the community. All credit goes to Steve Wilmot for the ideas. At the time, we'd seen that we had product market fit. That was proven because we had good conversions to paying customers, but we weren't yet growing at the kind of hyper growth speeds you need to be very successful to capture VC investors. And so we were racking our brains on what we could do to kickstart marketing awareness and boost our growth levels. And Steve had the brainwave, let's try building this community out. It's something like knock it out of the park. It was frankly at the time very scary 
we had to make a huge investment. It was probably 80% of our marketing budget went into this one conference. So it was kind of betting the company that this would work. And we had about 150 people, if I recall right. So it, it really was clear from the moment that people started arriving just how successful this was going to be. Because it was so open, it very quickly became established as the key event for anybody in the API community. That was a very good turnout. How did you get so many then? We didn't run it as a company event. We very quickly reached out to thought leaders and call out to one very influential person in the community at the time, and this continues to be, is Kin Lane. He was a very significant collaborator in organizing the conference. A lot of credit goes to him reaching out in the community and getting so many influential people involved. Once we started getting a good list of speakers together, then search engine optimization did its magic. At some point, did the programmable web that came out, and was that like your original vision of what you tried to build about 10 years earlier? So, programmable web was more of a Yahoo directory in the early days of the internet. It was a list of APIs validated by the editors of programmable web. It was a source of knowledge, but it never intended to be strictly a marketplace. It was never a place for people to discover APIs and to create contracts. It's more of an information source. There is an example, though, of a company that did go down the API marketplace approach, Mashape. They stuck with it for a long time. They had received a lot of funding, so they had quite a long roadway, but eventually they came to the same conclusion as us. It was very difficult to get critical mass. They sold the API marketplace to a company called Rapid API, and they seem to be getting some traction. We may still see some type of global API marketplace come to be. Would you say I, it doesn't I, really exist yet then? No, we have seen though, which seems to be more viable for marketplaces, is for industry-specific marketplaces. So one example of an industry-specific marketplace is CETA. They're an IT services company to the airline and airports industry. They offer their own APIs as well, offer a marketplace for other companies' APIs. So I think that's more likely how we'll see marketplaces evolve, industry-specific rather than generic across all industries. What, what did you think when Amazon came out with the internal everything must be a service? We were always huge fans of Amazon and AWS because we were in fact one of the early successful customers of AWS. Early in the days, they had just started extending beyond the S3 storage service and started adding on other services like EC2. And in the early days, AWS used 3Scale. We were one of AWS's reference success stories. So I, 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 I unfortunately didn't keep a copy of one of those. They would be quite good to keep on the mantelpiece. Yeah. So we, we were very big fans of the AWS approach of everything as a service. It was visionary and it was exactly what we saw by developing applications, not starting with applications from thinking what's the user experience, but rather you begin with an API first approach to creating applications that gives you a lot more flexibility on how you're going to eventually use the data behind your application. 
And it gets to the heart of what, what APIs are all about. APIs, they're more than just how to integrate one endpoint with another. The way to think about them in terms of their business impact is that APIs become a distribution channel for digital assets. They allow a company to reuse data and logic in any form. As a website, the mobile app, provide content to another company to use in a completely different way. That starts opening up all the opportunities around APIs. One of the things that gets missed is often companies that try to implement APIs thinking of it as a technology initiative tend to fail. They're not as successful as companies who try to think, what's the business value that I'm aiming to get out of my APIs? Apart from Skype, who would you say was the biggest success stories of Vistel customers? Is there any you can point to? Full Contact was one. They had an incredibly successful business model all built around APIs as a business. That was an exciting innovation. They're one of the early companies whose entire business model was based on the API. They monetized the API and the entire company revenues were driven by their API. One other one was flight stats. Very interesting because of showing the potential of data. So essentially their use case was reselling content on time, flight arrival and departure information. The amazing thing with the flight stats business model was they would get the data from airlines about when flights arrived and departed. They would then massage that data, provide it in useful form, and they would actually sell that data back to the airlines that gave them the data in the first place. They got all the input from the airlines and then they sold the result back to the airlines. It's just amazing business model. And you were able and, and like, and, 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 like what was it? What was that? Decker, what have you done? How many times I told you to not mess up with this? Oh man, the time machine is pretty much broken now. How are we supposed to travel now? Yeah, yeah, and I know there's a part shape on sale, but that doesn't change the fact that you destroyed everything. Do something at least. No. Oh crap. Hmm, a pirate ship? They better take bitcoins. <laughs>